0: post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today the manchester football social efl and below show with football mank cave hello welcome back
1: to the efl and below show from the manchester football social in association with the football man cave loads on the agenda not all positive Barry and Bolton in serious financial trouble. How many times have we said that on this podcast? Hopefully soon we can start talking about the action on the pitch rather than the troubles off it. But Salford seem to have picked themselves back up. We'll be talking about their National League victory over Bromley later on in the show and Rochdale have themselves a new manager. Brian Barry Murphy will take up the hot seat at Spotland. I'm Niall McCornan, alongside me in the studio for tonight's show... We've got Ian Forum from the Football Man Cave. Hello, mate. Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm pretty good because obviously my team Portsmouth won the Checker Trade Trophy at Wembley. Hooray. Whey. Good match as well. Yeah, great match. But I've come back in this week and to see the, the issues at Bolton and Bury and Macclesfield, it's just so heartbreaking because yes. I know what it's like. So I'm just hoping that in the next few weeks, the football really does do the talking because it's so sad to talk about this every week.
2: Yeah. It is. It's depressing, isn't
1: it? It is depressing. And one man who's also depressed opposite me is Aaron Benson, as he pulls a sad face, his uh, his lip almost quivering opposite me because your football club, Barry Aaron, are, are not in a good way right now.
3: I know. Never when I uh, he'd asked me to if I'd like if he'd like, if I would like to join him on this podcast. Never did I ever think I'd be talking about the off the field issues so much.
1: We never discuss on the pitch stuff. I know. Really sad. sad. Very sad. So, with that in mind, let's get stuck straight into it, because it seems like every podcast, every week, we're talking about Bolton Wanderers. We're talking about Ken Anderson and the issues that he's had running Bolton Wanderers Football Club, and he's already seen the club go to High Court once. That was adjourned a couple of weeks ago. The new date was set for the 3rd of April, which, as of the time of recording the podcast, is today. Yep. And there's been another adjournment to the 8th of May. Yeah. So... Bolton Wanderers. Their future looks to be more secure than it was two weeks ago. But my issue is the man who's coming in to take over Bolton. Yeah, it doesn't look good, does it? Mr Bassini. Now, this is a man who has been bankrupted twice. He owned Watford. The Watford supporters do not have a fond recollection of Mr Bassini. This is a man, in my opinion, who will make Ken Anderson look like he's got a halo around his head.
2: That is a big statement, that, isn't it?
1: And this, is, and this is a serious thing. But we said this on last week's podcast. When you're between the devil and the deep blue sea, a rock and a hard place, you've got to choose between the lesser of two evils. It's either someone who's willing to take over and save your club or the club being liquidated. It's a tough and a horrible decision to make. We yeah. know Ken Anderson wants to sell the club. We know that the takeover is likely going to happen. It needs to happen before a month's time. But what do you make of it all? Pfft.
2: <laughs> It's just, and we've said it. Two weeks isn't enough time to get somebody in who's going to be a fit and proper chairman. Now, Ken Anderson obviously is, is going to move on, but Bolton fans are probably going to see themselves in this situation pretty sharpish if history repeats itself. You're speaking of a guy who's been declared bankrupt twice, banned from owning an EFL club for three years. Yeah, he was banned from directorship. It's it's just. And you've
1: got and you've got Sean Harvey. The chief executive of the EFL sat on national radio saying, we all let him take over the club. It's just beggar's belief. What is going on in the world of football? First of all, I want to say, why is people listening and why
3: can we take what Sean Harvey says seriously when he's the outgoing chairman, isn't
1: he, of the EFL? He took Leeds United into administration. He's taken other football clubs into administration. Why does what he says have any weight whatsoever? Well, it shouldn't do.
3: It, it shouldn't have any weight whatsoever from what you said and the fact that, you know, he's not going to be there next season. Mm. So what he said, you know, he could... and His replacement, his successor, could say something completely different. And you talk about the... And you said he, massive trouble Bassini's had with clubs like Watford. You know, they should, even like, whether you like Bolton or not, no one in their right mind should be able to think that this guy is capable of running the football club. When we had Mark Kyles on, I asked him how important is the appointment of a new chairman. You know, you've got to get this absolutely right. Mm. And he agreed and said that they have to make the right decision. But this just looks like, you know, it's going to another level of ludicrous.
1: So Bolton Wanderers still owe HMRC £1.2 million in unpaid tax. The court has withheld the identity of the buyer until now, but I think we can kind of pretty much confirm that it's former Watford chairman Lawrence Bassini... The court's given Bolton up until the 8th of May. So that's five weeks from now to pay the outstanding £1.2 million. 13 months he lasted at Watford. As you say, he was banned from being a director of an EFL club. He's been bankrupted twice. But the barrister has said that Bassini has got proof of funds. And according to the Press Association, Bassini declined to comment before he was driven away from court in a white Rolls Royce. So that's just a bit of background on what's happening at Bolton. They owe money. On top of that, Ian, the players went on a strike for 48 hours on Monday because they haven't been paid uh, this month's wages, or March's wages, I should say. The safety advisory group, the SAG, withdrew the safety certificate for Bolton Wanderers' home ground because of staffing issues. People saying they're not going to turn up because they haven't been paid. I wouldn't turn up to work if I hadn't been paid for two weeks.
2: No, 100%. You wouldn't. If, if you're going to work every day, regardless of if you're a footballer or a, a guy who works in a warehouse, if you're not getting paid, one, you're not going to do the job that you, you're asked to do to like your full potential. And two, if it rumbles on long enough, you're just going to think, sod this, I'm, I'm, I'm not turning it in. And you can't, you can't blame them. But Anderson has actually blamed the players Unbelievable. for <laughs> not giving the club like the, the loyalty it deserves and I think John, if you weren't getting paid you're just not going to turn up like fair play to the Bolton fans for not like to make a stand it's a huge stand as well and it's massive it needed it I mean obviously it's a turmoil week but it needed something like that something big a big statement to sort of get a reaction and obviously that's what it's done but it, it's sad that a team of players because the staff aren't getting played feel like right, we can't go to work
3: What's needed now at Bolton is to build bridges to become more united against this situation, to, you know, make a stance or so to come together to try and solve the problem which exists at the club. And the last thing that that can be done is for Ken Anderson to be picking fights and starting civil wars within the club. Another thing I wanted to say on sort of loyalty, we know something that's discussed so much in modern-day football due to, you know, foreign the high influx of foreign players that we have and stuff like that. You know, the emotional connection between professionals to clubs, you know, is very low. It's not like the fans. <clears throat> so, you know, if people aren't being paid, of course they're not going to turn up because mm. they don't have any loyalty or emotional connection to Bolton Wanderers. So they're never going to turn up there, are they?
2: No. Do you what I feel, though, as well? Like, obviously, if if Bassini or... It's a case of if <laughs> and when, obviously, if you're going off reports, but... When he does take over, we thought it would be like new chairman in, good vibes, decent atmosphere around the club. Given his history, I feel like it's just going to continue with Bolton. it would be like you have already got an expectation of seeing that we're gonna he's gonna run this club into the ground. So there's no like
1: he's already starting on the back foot.
2: Yeah, there's no like good chairman bouncers no, as, as we've called reaction. it in the past. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, there's no like oh Anderson's gone brilliant. You let's let's get on. You think that the fans would
1: be buzzing that Anderson's gone? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and and you think they would be if it wasn't such a strange. An maligned character like Bassini coming in, yeah, we're going to say there'd be a relief around the club,
3: wouldn't yeah. you? But if your staff within the club, your players, your Phil Parkinson, your the coaching staff, or you know, in general, just working around the club, you're thinking, here we go again. You know, you just end up in a cycle, don't you? And I agree with you, and it? Wouldn't surprise me if you know, six, 12 months, we're discussing the same thing about Bolton, and we'll just come back to this, and we think, why did they let Bassini take over? Why have EFL regulations let? you know, this man take over the club. And that's something that we have to look beyond Berry, We, ha- we have mm. to look beyond Bolton to say what's happened with your club now at like Portsmouth yeah. or Knox County, uh Coventry have had problems and also down into the non-league, for example, North Ferriby have gone out <gasps> of business. Controlling the club and looking after finances, the EFL, the FA having to look over finances has got to be so much more important than, say, you know, working out
1: how to sell Wembley. I did a tweet. I've been working in... Manchester for five months I've been covering the non-league and the football league with you guys since about December time right
2: yeah Mm.
1: how much actual football chat have we done because it feels like every podcast have talked about Bolton Macclesfield are in the high court Berry. I mean we've covered numerous managers being sacked and new ones coming in Mm. I mean what's going on Football's it's, just it's gone genuine, crazy and it? it's, it's. genuinely just, sad when you see yeah. the likes and we, we pride ourselves on this podcast about not talking about Manchester United and Manchester City. But when you see the money, mm. someone like Alexis Sanchez, for example, five hundred thousand pounds a week, one week's wages for one player. Yeah. That sort of money, that sort of debt could kill a Football League club. As we've seen with North Therapy, a non league club wound up over seven and a half grand of unpaid debt. It's madness. No, yeah, it's and funny. what what is going on? Why why is this continually happening where's it going to change what's the turning point going to be because we've had so many warning signs we had Wimbledon in 2002 went bust we've had teams like Rushton and Diamonds and Darlington that have dropped out of the league and gone bust Portsmouth they were the first Premier League club to go into administration very nearly went bust we've seen mighty clubs like Leeds drop down the divisions now we're seeing good honest football clubs like Bury and Bolton on the brink of extinction and these are livelihoods and jobs and traditions and families that are going to suffer the most because of it. Yeah. Just because some people don't understand what they're getting into when they own a football club.
2: The thing is, and, and we've said it over and over again, there is so much football in the Premier League and that somehow needs to filter down through the leagues. And that's it's not a case of just giving giving football clubs money, but it's a case of, you look at like that, for example, £500,000, that's £2 million a month, near mm. enough, there and thereabouts, right? And you've got a club who's literally surviving this by the skin of its teeth. Yeah, and to mouth, as they call it. It's, 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 it's so polar opposite and something needs to happen that that money needs to get filtered down to mm. lower leagues, grassroots, or even like the volunteers. Well, this is what was Back happening. Then. It's, it's just ridiculous. A
1: few months ago when that new deal was signed, the Championship TV deal was signed, the chairman of the Championship clubs were absolutely furious. When you see how much money that the Premier League is making from broadcast rights... Why was that championship broadcast rights not put out to tender for other companies to bid? Because imagine if someone like BT Sport and Sky Sports had bid against each other. There'd be a bid in war. It would drive up the price. You've got people like Amazon getting involved now. Loads of other broadcasting companies who really want to take on the championship. I think you say it's the fifth most watched league in Europe, which is unbelievable. And yet it was kept almost under wraps and a deal was signed exclusively with a certain television company. No wonder they were angry. Because there was an opportunity there to make a hell of a lot more money. And the foresight either wasn't there or there was a, a sense of loyalty felt from the EFL towards a certain broadcast company. But you can see why owners and chairmen are getting frustrated because sometimes we don't help ourselves in these situations.
3: No, and there's a phrase, isn't there, in football, uh, the book stops with the manager. Yeah. I'd go further to say that the book stops with the owner because the owner makes everything work, don't you? If you've got a stable owner, you, know, you increase your chances of having greater success on the football club on the football pitch and it's not till you have a mm. stable upstairs if you like a stable board making the right decisions with the interests of the club the long term yeah. interests of the club and the long term interests of the fans at heart and if you have the opposite to that which is what we've seen from numerous examples with we've, we've given mm. plus added on to the fact the EFL the FA aren't looking at the clubs aren't working with the clubs to make sure they don't end up in financial turmoil you know you're onto a loser straight away
1: Okay. I think we should probably point out as well that Bolton have after a meeting with the safety advisory group been assured that their game against Ipswich on Saturday can go ahead. You said there, Aaron, the buck stops with the owner and you must probably be feeling like that because let's talk about Barry now. Barry in serious financial trouble. The previous owner, Stuart Day, made way in December. In comes Steve Dale. And we said on the show at the time that... It seemed a bit swift. It seemed almost suspicious in a strange way. Let's have a listen to this. Last week, new owner was announced. For me, the biggest shot you've ever seen.
3: You couldn't believe it. We barely have had trouble for years with the money, threats of administration, loads. It got to a point the week before the new chairman, Steve Dale, came in. Are we going to have a big problem with this? Could we be going into administration? And the new guy comes in and takes over. I think you've got to say, well done for Stuart Day. Mm. to coming in and saving
1: when i say saving the club literally mean saving the club so there we go that was us talking on one of the first podcasts we did here on the efl and below show talking about how we felt that the berry takeover was a little bit odd now it's coming to a fruition that there's a lot of underhandedness there and it's really really disappointing
3: yeah there's a reason we're all on this podcast aren't we getting the decisions right <laughs> as long as we're getting the decisions right everything's okay in the world yeah this kind of talk about the um the chairman takeover was very quick sort of it's it's right from where, where I'm sitting the problems with berry uh, behind closed doors they've ramped up so much in the last 24 hours from where we're talking uh, we started off with internal interim financial restrictions that was this a was, statement, this released, was the by the statement released by the club which i have here uh, then it rumbled on Salaries hadn't been received for March. Uh, there'd be short-term problems, and then it talked about you know historic debt. So this has probably been going on for the past few years. And then we talked yeah. about the very quick taking over in ownership, which happened between uh, Steve Dale and Stuart Day himself, and it's kind of taken
1: us to the point where we are now. Well, Barry did have a winding-up order early on this season, didn't they? Yeah. Which they managed to avoid. They've been hit with another one now. They've this got. This looks
3: proper. This looks pretty
1: serious. They've this. got until yeah. next Wednesday to address the issue. There's lots of people who, owed, who are owed money. It's, it's looking dire, yeah. really dire. Not We've good. heard reports of people inside the club actually weeping on the job because it's been that bad. We've also heard reports that people may be due to lose their jobs in the next couple of weeks. I don't want to be speaking out of turn here, but this is just all of the information that I've been fed. But what strikes me is that when Stuart Day left the club, Apparently, it was agreed the debt was a certain amount. Yeah. And the debt is considerably more than that figure Dale was initially told. So there's lots of additional costs being incurred and mounting up that Dale didn't know about. Now, this is a serious issue because we've heard some strange reports about some of the things that the previous chairman was doing. Stuff like selling car parking spaces. It's it's open for everyone to see on Facebook, so I'm not speaking out of turn here at all. Supporters saying that they've paid up to £10,000 for a parking space at Berry. <laughs> And Day's crazy. run off with the money. And Day has run off with the money, supposedly. These are all rumours, not facts. We can't confirm or deny whether they're true or not. We're just going off the information that we can see. And obviously, social media isn't always an accurate source. But as Aaron says, in the last 24 hours, things have seriously ramped up. Yeah, And Barry, I think a lot of people inside the club are, are quite gravely concerned for the future of the football club.
2: Yeah, it's been it's been a bad situation for a, the past couple of months. Um it's been a, a case of the club, obviously, like most football clubs, but the club is not not making money at all. They're living hand-to-mouth. There is seasoned staff paying for Wi-Fi, paying for foods, paying for drinks, keeping the club going. There's staff losing their jobs. And it is just took, after such an amazing season as well, like what they've done and how they've played and, and all the politics they've had, to sort of end the season like this is, is heartbreaking to see because you'd wanted them to get promotion and have the like the, the big glory mm. and now all you're doing is talking about the financial the results have dropped off lately as well results have dropped off lately and it's all now money orientated once again we're not talking about the pitch it's is there going to be a club it's, it's it's another case of how football is run nowadays that you just Ridiculous. It's and, just a ridiculous... I can't, yeah. I can't even think of I it. I, I feel like so it, ang- it makes won. me yeah.
1: so angry. And also, sources around the club have informed us that the Checker Trade trophy run, of which they got to the semi-finals, was basically a, a key reason in keeping the club afloat in, yeah. in recent weeks. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's damning.
2: I mean, if, if Berlin ha- hadn't had that run to the semi-final, this would have happened months ago and would have totally derailed... The season, as you can clearly see now, these past three matches, and so so in a way, it's it's like they've had a decent run in the cup and it's kept on going. But for it's just paper over the cracks, and it's something that's been rumbling on for for months. And obviously, things are happening more and more. I'd say this this past twenty four hours, it's just exploded. It's it's gone crazy.
1: You follow very fondly. So, do you hold anyone responsible? Do you have any opinions on why the club find themselves in this situation? We were talking before about the fact a couple of seasons ago, Bury spent big when they were in League One and ended up getting relegated. And they had some good players on big contracts, some of whom are playing in the Championship now and for high-end League One clubs on quite considerable wages. For me, I think that might have something to do with it, along with the, the previous chairman, of course. What do you put it down to, Aaron? When Steve Dale came in,
3: he talked about... Uh, trouble that existed in League One, he said there was massive problems in seventeen eighteen. Mm. Talked about you know um, the financial issues that were there, there were the con- from the continuation of the long term issues that existed in the Stuart Day era at Berry. and obviously Stuart Day, Sh- Steve Dell came in thinking you know we could sort the mess out, um, sort of do something to turn the situation around. But I've used touched on Ian there before with the uh, checker trade keeping the club afloat. In terms of the big money spending, that took place in the uh, summer of 2017. Huge players came in under Lee Clark and also with uh, Day the Chairman. And there was players like uh, Beckford came in, who's still there. There was Dawson who came in. Chris Maguire came in. Michael Smith, now at Rotherham Championship Wages. James Vaughan, who'd been a massive Mm -hmm. star in 15-16. Gone on to uh, play at bigger and better clubs than Berry, All probably on big wages. And the big ambition under Day was, let's get into the championship. There was talks of new ground. And you know, here we are today and the club could be going bust. I think it'd be very harsh to blame Dale. I don't think you probably can put a lot of the blame to him because he's been there only a short time. It feels like this is just problems from the past and it's only just catching up with them now. And they've probably just reached the limits. And the key question would be, is what's going on off the pitch affecting on the pitch? And it's obviously, I would say, in the last few days, we could go back to, say, the 0-0 against Grimsby. It could be catching up on them. The amazing home form they've had this season, suddenly, you know, it's it's just gone to pot. We've seen in the past couple of days there was defeats to Swindon. Fans were saying that's the worst performance that they've, the home performance that they've seen all season. The Cambridge defeat last night was a massive shock. It wasn't, certainly wasn't the finest hour for Ryan Lowe's side. And here we are now, and uh, it looks as though that there might not be a club next season. My opinion on it would be it's just problems of the past under day, big spending, uh, Carrington Training Ground, by the way. what yeah. you know, the outgoings there. People have rent and
1: bills to pay at the end of the day. These yeah. staff that work for the club on a daily basis. We're not talking about people who earn 500 grand a week like we said earlier on. Yeah. These are people that need their money on time because they have bank accounts, To to look after. What can they do? You know that this is people's livelihoods at risk here. And according to some sources, there are a lot of people worried sick, worried to death about their own financial situation, let alone that of the club, the the organisation that's supposed to be paying them. As anyone would be in a job, you know, whether you work at, you know,
3: Morrison's or Berry FC, you want to know that you've got that regular wage coming in, don't you? to pay the bills and at the moment uh, there's a huge doubt about that also the players I've read you know players' wives are unsure about what's going to happen the players are stressed and it all adds up to the fact that Mm. if you've got problems off the pitch you're going to that's going to translate to problems that exist on the pitch
2: I think football over these past 10-15 years has seriously lost its way Yeah, apart from the lower leagues your 3 o'clock kick-offs literally nearly every single match you watch now is televised in yeah. the Premier League or mm-hmm. uh, FA Cup knowing you have your traditional FA Cups you start on a Friday night you finish on a Monday night and you have matches right through it's all all for money all for television all usually to to favour the Premier League clubs and I feel like all that is now catching up with these lower league teams the The football league and the EFL and the non-league don't seem to be protecting the the traditional clubs that started off the football leagues back in 1800s, 1900s, they don't seem to be protecting them teams. They seem to be more in favour of the teams that can make them the most amount of money or changing things around to make the most amount of television money that they can possibly make without it, again, filtering down to lower leagues. And it's, it's a massive problem he's addressing, but all the problems you can see, like the previous chairman's now, obviously, over Chairman's chairmen are feeling that the backdraft that that, it's, it's such an ongoing thing that it's just never going to stop until we say, right, let's just stop the craziness. This year alone, I reckon we're going to see a £200 million transfer, and it's just stupid money when you've got a non-league club going out for seven grand.
1: I'll tell you what, let me put it this way. Can we name between us six clubs that are in some sort of financial difficulty or have difficulties with owners right now? So I'll go with Macclesfield, Bolton, Berry, yep. Charlton, Blackpool. I've obviously just
2: i was gonna say yeah think. blackpool that
1: was a... coventry so let's just say it's six even if it was six it might be more it probably is more at the moment twelve percent mental twelve percent too much twelve percent of the efl's clubs are in danger financially right now how's that acceptable in any way shape or form i think personally it's because the
3: chairman who is running the club does not have the emotional connection to the club like the fans do. If I'm running Bury, if you're running Portsmouth, if you're running who you support, if we're yep. running the clubs that we support, yep. I look at the example of Ramsbottom United, all very connected to the football club. Hmm. They all love the football club. They want the long-term future of of Ramsbottom be t- to be sustained, and that happens at so much clubs in the northwest Counties League, the Evo State West, yep. Premier North, probably up to, say, the National League North. You want, you've got your long-term... Um, the long-term aims of your, of your club at stake and at heart. And I don't think that exists outside of... I don't think that exists in the Football League. Anymore. Well,
1: I tell you what, what do I say every week? You've either got to be absolutely bonkers or ridiculously rich to run a football club. Often, owners of both. And I tell you what, football clubs aren't like any other businesses. I say this on the podcast every single week, week in, week out that fail. Football is not like a normal business Normal businesses make money. Football clubs do not make money in the slightest. So why would you own one? Why would you own one? For leisure. It's a leisure purpose. It's, it's, it's no different to that. But it's more than a leisure purpose because you're dealing with people's lives yeah. and their livelihoods. And everything that they do in their day-to-day lives revolves around this football club. People go to work to pay for their ticket, to pay for their coach down to the ground if it's an away game, to pay for their pie, to pay for their pint, to pay for their programme. It's not like any other business. You're not just owning a football club. Like I say, we should call them custodians because that's what they should be. If you're asking me, if I became rich, would I own a football club? Not in a million years. I would not go near it. And that's what—that's all I've got to say about that. And hopefully Bolton and Barry get themselves back on their feet soon.
2: You can pinpoint that point of foreign investors coming in. It was the it was a big let's get a foreign investor in let's, let's get let's a Russian or the a club. rich Arab
1: yeah. or something, yeah.
2: And everybody wanted that. Now these foreign investors are coming in don't care about the club whatsoever and I feel I need to turn the time back to chairmen who actually cared and give a crap <laughs> about the club because nobody cares anymore. You've got a, a chairman coming in, say Bassini, he couldn't care less about Bolton couldn't care less about the fans the staff he just thinks about his wallet Mm. and what he can get out of it and we need to go back to them chairmans that actually give a monkey's I'm trying to to censor myself a lot I can see we can
1: see the passion emanating from you but obviously this is of course the EFL and Below show from the Manchester Football Social Niall, Ian and Aaron here in the studio with you send us a tweet if you'd like it's at MCR footy social we always love to hear your opinions and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss another show leave us a nice little review as well that'll mean a lot to us obviously it's been a little bit bleak for this first part of the podcast but after the break we'll be chatting about Salford City they found a resurgence in form after a bit of a down spell a couple of weeks back and also Rochdale have a new manager can they stay up in League One for another
0: season Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. Great kitchen, And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave.
1: Welcome back to the EFL and Below Show here from the Manchester Football Social in association with the Football mank Cave and from the Football Mank Cave website we've got Ian Foran. Hello, mate.
2: Hello. Hello. Okay.
1: Swinging back into it, this next section of the show. Yeah. We're going to try and pick ourselves up off the floor. Calming down now. Calming Rolls down. down. <laughs> Making sure I've got I've got the bleeper ready here, just in case. <laughs> you nearly had it in a first. Just in case. <laughs> uh, Aaron Benson's also here from the Football Man Cave. Hello to you, Aaron. Hiya now, are you OK? I'm very you well. Okay? I'm looking forward to talking about Salford City in so, the next section. So am I, so am and I. And also Brian Barry Murphy, who's had definitely. a positive impact at
3: Rochdale. I think it's 1-1 one, one in the... Uh, who thinks the the... who who loves a manager we'll call it that (laughs) who loves the manager manager
1: loving what's he on about I don't (laughs) know what he's talking about I've I've got got no idea but what you do have an idea about is the Salford City game at the weekend they played Bromley in the National League and by the sounds of it mate what a game it was a
3: fantastic finish I've seen some great football this season And, and um, I'll put that one up there it was a I wouldn't say it was the best game in terms of football quality but in terms of entertainment you can't really fault it to be fair Salford Salford, I think, will go up. I know it's a huge statement to make, but they're on they're on great form. The de- I personally think that the defence is on great form. And what are your reasons really behind do- that? Why are it- my reasons behind that? Because yeah. their defence is fantastic. The full-backs, Scott Wiseman and... Um, Abu Tore. Abu Tore.
1: Good player down that left, isn't he, Abu Tore? Touré
3: and Wiseman. For me, you've got Gaffney's fantastic. Lingant obviously injured. Rooney came back from injury. Um, you know, on great form. We know about their reputations. Wiseman and Torre, I have never seen two full-backs at that level cross the ball as well as they did. Both of them, one's got a great left foot, one's got a yeah. great right foot, uh, pinging them in, both sides. And it was obvious that Bromley just couldn't deal with it. They were hanging, it was nil-nil, hanging on by the skin of the teeth. They got a penalty on a mm. replay. It was a penalty. I was a bit unsure at first, you know what it's like. Can you just yeah. about see it? But no, it was definitely a penalty. Uh, JJ Hooper tucked it away for Bromley. But after that, didn't lie down Salford, which was a contrast to the Dover game I saw. But Salford, they carried on going. The enthusiasm, it was in the spirit of uh, the class of 92s, Manchester United teams. (laughs) I thought that was quite nice to say. Um the determination and the will to win was fantastic. And the fans at the end, 2,300, I think there was around about that mark. It wasn't international break, that was the week before, and Manchester United were at home.
1: Wow, it's so a good
3: effort. So, 2,000, there was a great oh, attendance. Bad. And for all you know, do they have, you know, did they lie on the back of Man United or FC United, FC United for fans? You know, the roar when Nathan Pond
1: got the header in to make it 2-1. It was a thrilling finish. They've definitely got some league quality players. Got and some... I've noticed recently that they've struggled to score. So with the quality they've got at fullback, I mean, Abu Torre, I've seen him play down that left and I've been impressed with him every Fantastic. time I've seen him. He's yeah. been excellent. He gets into really aggressive positions and can cross the ball well. With the likes of Gaffney and Rooney, these are players that have played at, at very high levels. Why are they not scoring goals, Aaron, do you think? What made, what made it get to the stage where it was so late in the day before they finally got themselves a couple of goals.
3: Yeah, it's very true. I thought of that in about the 70th minute. And I can link it to a few other times I've seen Salford this season. I don't want to make the comment that, you know, they're like a Premier League top six team, but I can make a comparison. Watch Chelsea at the moment under Sarri. They have so much of the ball. They pass it around. Lots of nice, intricate, cute passing. But there's no end product, is there? They've got your Higuain or your Giroud or your Hazard, to, who was supposed to be in there to make the difference. And I can kind of compare that to Salford, really. You have Rooney, who wasn't I don't, who wasn't 100% fit, I still don't think. Gaffney came on, did make a difference, but he was sort of pushed on to the left. So he wasn't, like, in the middle, sort of causing havoc for the, the uh, Bromley centre-backs. Roger Johnson also ex-Premier League for Bromley. But, you know, when the delivery was so good of Wiseman and Torre... The chances it felt inevitable they were going to score, particularly with the equalizer. I think if they are to go, which I say they will, I still think in that midfield area the lacking quality. Think out wide they've got pace that can cause defensive troubles. Tom Walker came on, second half, and down that right hand side him and Wiseman causing havoc down that Bromley left hand side they took a batter in Bromley's left back and left wing they really did they were playing the narrow 4-3-3 and Salford I thought took advantage really getting the ball out wide and it felt to be fair, a matter of time I still having said that though I still think defensively they're very good in the air they're very strong you've got Pond Pirigani, centre backs you know they deal yeah, with Pierce can Gianni, score headers sorry, as with... well,
1: can't he? He's, he's one of those powerful centre halves who you back from a corner,
3: yeah. And, and at the other end of the pitch as well, obviously getting the ball away, yeah. massive threat from set piece. I still feel personally, hopefully, you'll know more about Linganzi than me now. Yeah, if you can get him 100% fit, he was a January signing. We know January signings don't click like and that, and he
1: spent a bit of time out of the game yeah, six sure. months out of football, so yeah,
3: it was going to take a while for him to come in. So if he can just get, say, Eight or ten games under his belt and kick on, maybe with another quality midfield addition. Salford won't just be a huge threat in the National League, they could be a huge threat in the League Two. And what I thought was fantastic is we know the issues that are going on at Barry Bolton, there's no need for us to talk about them again. We talk about the problems that exist. Within our clubs, how great it is to see
1: one of our clubs in Salford doing so well. Yeah, absolutely agree. I'm going to call him ambitious Aaron because he Yay. thinks that he thinks that Salford are going to get promoted. I think it's going to be a lot harder than than they realise. I mean, they, they're um, up against yeah. big clubs in Leighton Orient and Wrexham, and these teams fighting out at the I top. I mean, they've of that come league.
2: into a, a bit of form at the right time they had that rocky patch, didn't they, over over January, February, and they are one point behind. But Leighton like Orient, I've got that game in hand, and I feel like game in hand's this close to the season. Always, always got a favour at the, the team who've got it. Especially when you're in front. I mean, they've, they've not won two on the bounce now, Leighton Orient. Um, lost
3: against Bromley yesterday, which was a huge shock. And the, yeah. results, the results just going in Salford's uh, favour a bit. Sully hill Malls a bit of a bit of a rocky patch. Wrexham have... Well, top
2: seven. Uh, younger yeah. Salford are really stringing wins so that, together. That, that playoff situation is
1: so, is so volatile in that yeah. league because it, it's such a strange system. And I think that Salford I mean finishing second would be almost more devastating than finishing third or fourth. Yeah. Obviously second place gets a more favorable draw in the playoffs but with just one automatic promotion spot you kind of want it to be champions or bust really don't you yeah, I mean yeah, obviously yeah. You, you can't sniff at the playoff spot it was almost more heartbreaking if you don't make it
3: they had them um, rocky patch, didn't they? and yeah, yeah. Feb when I was uh, when I went to watch them a couple of times, saw them against Dover. wasn't the greatest afternoon. I did see some similarities between the two performances, but had they have not had that rocky patch, you know, they would have been straight ahead of everyone else. They really would.
2: Well, hmm. yeah, but every te- every team throughout the season, Leighton Orient might be feeling it now. They might have a a bit of a rocky patch, and they, they might just leave the door open a little bit for. Salford so to crowbar themselves in but
1: they're at Wembley as well in Orient yeah, so you so
2: think maybe change of focus on that. a little maybe bit maybe one yeah. eye on that
3: I was just all my reason for it would be I'm happy to hold my hands up at the end of the season if they don't go up but all I wanted to say with is that like looking at the quality we know the um, playoffs can be is a lottery but you're looking at the team Sully Rex, and filed Harrogate Eastley as we've got on our screens now it's difficult with the playoffs because sometimes they don't reflect the true standing. We've seen Huddersfield go up, Blackpool go up from mm. the Championship to the yes. Premier League finishing sixth. We all know about that. But in terms of the quality on paper and what we see in, in terms of the teams and the form they're in, I think it will be hard not to back Salford. And if you are a betting man and the league season finishes as it does, if you were to get 10 people in a room, look at the fixtures, look at the results, look at the form going into the playoffs and say, who's got the form? Who's top of the form table? Your back's off. But as you
1: say, no reason why not to think they can do it. I mean, certainly Absolutely. they've got the they've got the infrastructure there now. They've got the players that are very much capable of doing it. They've got a really capable manager. Uh, something, I don't know why, I've just got this hunch that they might struggle in the playoffs if they get in the playoffs. I don't know whether it's to do with expectation or the position they were in—it's a
2: huge pressure. It's, it's a huge just pressure massive, part isn't of that, and it. Isn't it? Especially if I mean they've been in playoff positions before, as they've as they've jumped through the leagues. But I think taking the leap from national league to league two is i think that'll be like the biggest yeah. amount of pressure they're gonna feel
1: i really hope they do it i've just got this weird feeling that something's gonna happen there might be a banana skin along the way but that's why we love football that's what makes football so great but i really do wish salford all the best obviously um the great staff over there as well they have yeah, always really kind like, to really us good. and brilliant setup over there so do wish them all the best and like you say aaron great game against bromley exciting dramatic that's why we love football And Rochdale fans will be loving their football again under Brian Barry Murphy. We were questioning whether Keith Hill being sacked was the right decision by the football club but it certainly looks like things are looking up under Brian Barry Murphy. Now Rochdale obviously have a real chance of survival in League One. It was looking pretty bleak during the end of Keith Hill's tenure. But now Brian Barry Murphy picking the club back up again. He's the new manager at Spotland. And here's what he had to say about his appointment.
0: Since the very first day that I've been taking sessions on my own, they've been incredible. Um, the attitude and the application has been first class. I'll, I'll be I'll be pretty demanding that I would, I would expect on a daily basis. I have an image where I'm pretty easy going and relaxed. But like the training road's always been my my kind of place of home, I feel very comfortable there and, and, and every day we, we train at an intensity and and, and we demand of each other, really that it, has to be, it has to be intense because it's the only way that we work and we've worked at that, that way at this club for a long period of time but I just wanted to bring back kind of a sense of enjoyment to the players where they felt as if they could um, work really really hard and, and I wanted them to get some sort of reward for that so it, it was initially rewarding to get those results to kind of show them that the hard rock wasn't in the vein and, but from there we would definitely lose games and, and, and nothing will change in, in our reaction to that we just continue to do the same things over and over again
1: so there we have it that was Brian Barry Murphy the new Rochdale manager talking to the press after his unveiling earlier this week Ian you were there you were at the press conference yeah what was the mood like what was the feeling like
2: Jawville. that's what? the word I'm going to use Jawville. Jovial, 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 jovial. jovial, jovial, jovial.
1: What did you think he said? <laughs> Joe, I thought he said Joe Cole, Joe,
3: <laughs> jovial, like, You know, you've got Jovial, Ru- pronounced Jovial, rug. Or jovial.
2: No, I
1: tell you we're, we're what. finished league two now. It's a, it's a village where only Joes live. <laughs> <laughs> jovial. Yeah. But anyway, jovial is your way of jovial. describing yes. how the uh, how the press conference felt. Positive appointment, and everyone seems to be very positive. positive.
2: positive. You could feel you could feel the positivity. In and around the club, obviously, they are unbeaten in four games as well. They, well, they're now, as, as it stands, level on points of of getting out of there. Um, Brian Barry Murphy's come in like a breath of fresh air. Obviously, being at the club since since player coach in two thousand and ten, so he knows the club inside out. And it was it was a really good, really good press conference. It was I'd say that all oh, the words were right, but you could just sort of feel in the atmosphere that. I think if they can stay up, I think he can do. I think he can do well with Rochdale. They've scrapped, which I found, which I found quite different. They've scrapped the managerial layer, so he's not. He ain't got an assistant manager. He ain't got a first team coach. He's got Brian Barry Murphy and a team is the way he put it today. Right. So he does. He said.
1: So he's the boss, and everyone else is the team.
2: Yeah. So basically, he said, well, obviously everyone works and has different skill sets so he's not naming an assistant, he's not naming a first team coach, he's just having a group of people around him who can assist and I thought that is, that is something completely different. I've, n- I've yeah. never really heard of that. But yeah. he said, I'm ripping up the blueprint and that's something that I want to do going forward.
1: Fair enough to him. And obviously David Bottomley, the club's chief executive, was there alongside him at the press yeah. conference. What did he have to say? How how was he feeling about it all?
2: He was feeling very happy. Made sure that we knew that the Rochdale were financially stable. Mm. Um, said that a couple of times. And the reason that they wanted to appoint Brian Barry Murphy at this point, because we said obviously it's only four games, is because they're already making plans for either League 1 or League 2. They have like a a plan either way. Two different pathways they can take. And the recruitment process, and they want to get that done now, and so it's set up for next season. So I thought, it's good to see a club before we're thinking. Do you think
3: they'll stay up, Aaron? Yes, I do think they'll stay up. Their performances have been pretty good recently, haven't they? Two wins, two draws. I've said it every time we've discussed Rochdale. They were too easy to beat under Hill, conceding goals left, right and centre. Ian Henderson's goals, I will say, probably. Oh, them massively, yeah. it was that one against Gillingham wasn't the last Saturday but they just feel like there's a feel good factor at Rochdale which was probably the reason why Keith Hill was sacked because it was same old same old, it had gone stale you know and it lacked energy, it lacked enthusiasm and credit to Brian Barry Murphy for going in, ripping up the blueprint, wanting to change things around and he's a young new manager finding his way, it's not the easiest start to make going into a relegation battle but fair play to him, he's Fans it, he wants to go, he knows the players, he knows the team, he knows what they can do, what they can't do. They've got a huge, some huge games coming up, I'm looking at Accrington Stanley next week, that is a massive game. They have Sunderland on Saturday, I don't know whether you can give us an insight into what they'll face playing Sunderland.
1: I don't think Rochdale should be scared of Sunderland, it's almost like a free hit for them. Yeah. These teams in the top 5, top 6 in League 1, as we've said, are pretty much cut adrift from the rest in terms of their probably the, the peloton, to use a cycling term. The rest of the teams, the bottom half, we said about a 12-team relegation mix-up. You know, I know Sunderland aren't one of those teams, but Rochdale need to be picking up points against the teams around them, or at least in the bottom half of doing. the table. That's and that's exactly what they've been doing. And that's why they're in a stronger position than they were. Sunderland, it's almost like if they can pick up three points there, it's a bonus. Yeah. It's a bonus for them. But don't go and beat Sunderland or draw with Sunderland sure. and then lose to someone like Southend, for example, because yeah. you're back to square one. So, for them, I think it's a free hit. I think it'll be tough for them. I personally can't see them beating Sunderland, but I'd love it as a Portsmouth fan if they did.
3: Um, <laughs> what we've seen in League One, uh, there's been a few managerial changes recently. We've seen Bond going to South Southend. Southend.
1: Gary Boyer going to Bradford. Scunthorpe Stewart Stuart McCall. All of those teams in a similar position, Aaron. All doing the same thing, sacking managers. It's almost like do-or-die time. Gamble. Do we sack our manager? Do we get a new one? Some teams it pays off for, some teams it doesn't. But it's so interesting. You see Bradford, Rochdale... Uh, South End, Scunthorpe, all down there have all changed their manager in the last month.
2: Yeah. It's Which just... is usually unheard of as well. It's so late in the season, you don't really hear of managerial sackings with four or five games to but go. And they're
1: all in a relegation. Well, fight. everyone
2: is like bobbing themselves of like relegation mm. and we're drawing it back to money. Nobody wants to be relegated because they lose money. And that's it. And people are making rash decisions, aren't they? But what's we'll sacking? Let's get somebody else in. Like, What can we do? What can we do? It's just. They just feel like they're always scrapping, aren't they? It's going to be an exciting finish to the end of, of League One.
3: Even if they do feel like they're in trouble or they could get relegated... Could also be for long-term planning for next season, I suppose. With uh, Brian Barry Murphy going in, it'd be really interesting to see what happens now. He's got the job, now he is the manager. The hard work, in many ways, starts now for him, doesn't it? Yeah. Obviously, he had to work hard and get the results to get the job and get the trust of the owners. But now it, the the work really, really starts to see if uh, he can keep Rochdale up. If he can, can, it's a great achievement and it's something to his CV. It'd be an incredible start to him as manager, but it um, it all starts against Sunderland and it'll be very interesting to follow
1: well hopefully Rochdale stay up and just one final thing uh, on Rochdale should they stay up and Brian Barry Murphy now we know is the permanent manager it would look like the right decision to get rid of Keith Hill is there an argument to suggest that let's just say Rochdale do get relegated by the medium of goal difference because that's how close it could be in League One this season would it still have been the right decision to get rid of Keith Hill if they go down
2: um yeah. I feel like, yeah, because of the style of football.
1: You say that, but I've seen Rochdale play some really decent football under yeah. Keith
2: Hill over the years. I think sometimes just change is good, isn't it? I mean, obviously they're looking... It was just getting stale, I remember yeah. you saying that. It was just looking, looking same old, same old, and obviously the fans were getting on the back, and it just seemed to be a, a rolling, rolling momentum. Interestingly enough, though, Brian Barry Murphy did say today that he is going to be leaning on Keith Hill. For advice, yeah, going forward because he said he learnt so much under Keith Hill because obviously, we play a coach and and a coach under him that he's going to be leading. So
1: interesting that.
2: It, How it do is. you feel about that? I, I thought that was an interesting point.
3: Uh, if it works and Rochdale stay up, fantastic. It's another thing. It's weird, hard, though, isn't to
1: it? He, a, to sat Keith Hill you, and then the manager's still going to I'm Keith Hill for advice. He's
3: speaking? I know you, you don't know, but would it just be a call every couple of weeks or will it be well, He,
2: didn't, he didn't tell me he was scheduling it in.
1: Yeah. By the way, here's my Nine
3: diary here. Yeah. For you talking about, is it right to sat managers? Yeah, if he, if if he
1: goes ten, down. ten,
3: you say ten clubs sat the managers, five probably work, don't they? Five, yeah. five probably go wrong. It's the ultimate stick-all 50. twist, the mm. ultimate 50-50. The thing is, if you're going down anyway
2: then change your manager and if you're going down and going down it doesn't really matter does it so Aaron what do you think
1: then I asked Ian about it if Brian Barry Murphy doesn't manage to keep Rochdale in League One let's just say they get relegated by goal difference or something like that would it still have been the right decision to sack Keith Hill
3: Um, well the majority of the damage would have been done under Hill on the other hand we talk about managers blaming managers all the time the players as well it was the same players under Hill as it was under Brian Barry Murphy and you could maybe say it's all ifs and buts, it's all a conditional. But were the players just not good enough? Were the players probably standard, put them together against every other team, 21, 21st to 24th worst
1: in the league but we're all in agreement Rochdale to stay up and Brian Barry Murphy will. good appointment
2: I think at the end of the season we should have a compilation of all our predictions and a little <laughs> a little overall quiz if we were right or wrong I but... think
1: we'd be taken off the air if we did
2: that we, <laughs> I I'm... say Rochdale stay up
1: Okay, brilliant I'm going to say stay up stay up oh that's a full house that's a hat trick of stay ups hopefully Rochdale do and Brian Barry Murphy of course is the new man in the dugout at Scotland but that's it for another week here on the EFL and Below show in association with the Football Man Cave. My thanks to Ian Foran. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Enjoyed that hopefully next week's a little bit more upbeat. Aaron, thanks for coming in. Nice to see you. It's okay. Thanks for having me. I've been Nah McCorn. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for downloading. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another show. Obviously, this is the EFL and Below show, so we don't talk about all of the action in Greater Manchester that comes from the Premier League. So if you do like the team that plays at the Etihad or you do like the team that plays at Old Trafford, all you need to do is search Manchester United Football Social wherever you get your podcasts if you're a United fan and Manchester City Football Social wherever you get your podcasts if you're a Manchester City fan but for now that's it for the EFL and Blow show we'll speak to you next time
0: Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show